a wonderful God this morning. Yes, All-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving. That means he loves everybody in this building. As unlovable as we are sometimes, he loves us anyway. Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad the Lord don't just love you when you're good? Well, I'm glad about seven of you feel that way. The rest of you just hypocrites, you know. Come on now, you know, you know you're glad the Lord loves you even when you're not good. You love, he loves you. He loves you this morning. <clears throat> he loves us when we're good. He loves us when we're bad. He's just an awesome, wonderful God, and how wonderful it is to know him today. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. As has already been said, we appreciate you being here. Those of you that are worshiping online with us this morning, we welcome you. We're glad that you've chosen to come and share this time with us by whatever means. We'd rather have you here if you're online, but we're glad you're there as well. And we just appreciate you being here in the house of the Lord this morning. Most of you are aware of the fact that <clears throat> several weeks ago, uh, Bishop Ainsworth was here preaching for us in the morning service. And after that, he met with the council and brought to us, I believe it was five resumes for those who might be interested in filling the vacancy that you have here in the pulpit and as a, as a senior and lead pastor. He left us those resumes. We looked over them, prayed over them, thought about them, talked about them. And finally, the council decided that they wanted to do an interview with our speaker that is here this morning. They felt like out of the resumes that we had that we wanted to interview him and talk to him and his wife. And they came and met with us a couple of weeks ago and shared with us their visions, their burdens. We shared with them, asked them a lot of questions and they had answers for every one of them. They just, they just had the right answer. I told my wife when I got home, I was really impressed with the way they were able to speak their hearts and speak their thoughts into the very thoughts and into the very questions that your council had. After that interview, spending a few more days to pray and think about it and talk about it among ourselves, the council finally decided that they wanted to bring our guest speaker this morning in to preach to you and let you hear him preach and let you meet them. So we're just so honored to have uh, Brother and Sister Simpson and with us this morning, Russell and Alicia. Uh, we're just so glad to have them. I want you to make him really welcome as he comes to bring the Word of God this morning. Well, thank you. Thank you. Please be seated. Please be seated. Thank you for that kindness. What a beautiful crowd this morning. Thank you, Bishop Marley, and to the church council who have been so kind to invite us to come and speak this morning to you. And uh, I, I was a bit worried. I thought uh, uh, Brother um, Zeb was going to take my message before I got up here this morning. And then turn around and, and uh, Brother Buddy had a little word or two that went along with the message and I thought well and then Sherry got started and I thought oh my goodness they're going to preach my message before I get up here but you know that's just confirmation that I have the word of the Lord to give us this morning. Amen. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord and, and again so good to be with uh, Bishop Marley, I told him when we first met uh, the other day, I've known him practically all my life because he was a, an official in this conference for many years. Then he went out to Oklahoma for a period of time, and, and uh, we've known of Bishop Dole Marley and his family for many years. Like I say, I feel like my whole life, and uh, we appreciate he and Cheryl and their ministry and all that they have done for the kingdom of God. Can we give them a great hand clap this morning? <clears throat> you have a beautiful facility here. I, I'm just amazed at the woodwork and the details that you have in this beautiful facility. And to God be the glory for what you have here. 
Now we need to believe for God to build this house, amen, as he sees fit, amen. And if I had to title my message this morning, that would be it, except the Lord build the house, except the Lord build the house. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, please turn to Psalm 127, verse 1. And then turn over to Matthew's Gospel, the 16th chapter, and we'll read the 18th verse. So you can have a little moment to find your scripture, and then when you find it, if you'll stand, and if you don't have your Bibles with you, go ahead and stand. <laughs> That's all right. And I know the, the end thing anymore is, and you know, if the Lord so directs and leads it we'll we'll try to have verses up on the screen for you but uh, let's read psalm 127 1 except the lord build the house they labor in vain that build it except the lord keep the city the watchman waketh but in vain putting the emphasis on that first Part of verse 1, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And Matthew 16, 18 says, And I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let us pray. Father, you gave us this message weeks ago to give to this body of believers that have gathered here at the Stoneville Pentecostal Holiness Church. Now we need you to anoint the delivery man to deliver the message that's been given. And I pray, Holy Spirit, I just, as it's already been said, we welcome you, Holy Spirit, into this house this morning. We just welcome you, presence of the living, triune God, to work and move as you will and as you would direct. Help us to not only hear your word, but to follow it and become doers of it as we leave this place this morning. We'll be careful to thank you and praise you for all that will be accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. For our textual emphasis this morning, I suggest that we read it like this. Except the Lord builds his church, the laborers labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord build his church, the laborers labor in vain that build it. And as Christ declared to Peter and his disciples, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, Psalm 127 is one of two psalms that have been attributed to David's son Solomon as the writer. So when Solomon wrote this psalm, it is believed that he was addressing both home and family issues. And it's used even in, in Jewish customs to read this psalm as a blessing over the home. But I would suggest this this morning. Who was responsible for building the first temple? The first physical temple building our edifice, our house of the Lord, Solomon. So I believe the conceptual message this morning from one, Psalm 127 is the same for both personal home and the building of the house of the Lord. How that just comes together and blends together, except the Lord build his church, the laborers, labor in vain that build it. 
And then Matthew's gospel account of Christ's words that he would build his church is so appropriate for today. Many news reports and posters say the church is in decline. I even saw a headline this morning that spoke about churches closing all over America. This liberal media is having a heyday with the fact that seemingly churches are closing everywhere. And they just love to tout it. In fact, they've already met with the funeral home director and planned the funeral for Christianity in America. Oh, but I'm telling you something. I'm here to declare this morning that the true church of the living God is alive and well. It is not in decline, but the word of the Lord says it is a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, washed in the blood of the Lamb. And it's not in decline, but rather incline. This is what the Lord gave me to give to you all this morning. It's on the incline, getting ready for the bridegroom to appear for the bride and the gates of hell and all the opposition that has been uh, trumped up around the world that we live in shall not be able to prevail against it. Hallelujah. We had a president back several years ago that so boldly was unashamedly happy when he could get in front of the cameras and speak to the media and speak to this nation and say, America is no longer a Christian nation. Ooh, I tell you, that got all over me. But I'm here to declare to you this morning that America is still a Christian nation, still one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. <coughs> Hallelujah. So you just have to excuse me because I took a little, I had to go down that side road just a little bit to talk about the text. But that's not really the message the Lord sent me to give you this morning. Here it is. And I'm having a little difficulty speaking, so maybe I need to be like Brother Doyle, and I need to drink a little water. We've been watching online, so we've been keeping up with you. <clears throat> I know Brother Buddy probably wondered when I said, boy, I've been enjoying hearing you pray. He thought, wow, where did he get that from? <clears throat> A lot of books have been written and seminars have been given on how to successfully build the church. A lot of man hours have been placed into trying to develop how to build the church, how to have a successful church. And there have been a lot of methods and a lot of programs and a lot of plans set forth and set out to, to be able to have a successful church. How do you build and have and maintain a successful church? But I want to tell you this morning, it's all about getting back to the basics. It's all about getting back to to the simplicity of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about going back to the Word and going back to the Lord and allowing Him to build His church. And that's not just a cliche. That's not just something that I'm up here screaming and hollering about. But it is the truth that the Lord wants us to hear this morning and wants us to focus on. We need to realize for emphasis sake, that the Lord's church, and get this, this is very important that you get this part. The church is not a brick and mortar structure. As beautiful a, a place as the Stoneville 
Pentecostal Holiness Church is, this building is not the church. You are. And we'll talk about that. The church is a living, vibrant organism. It's a spiritual house made up of people. We are the temple. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Praise his name. The Lord is the master builder and general contractor of his church. May I say that again? Not me. Not as great as Bishop Marley is, but not Bishop Marley. Great a man as Bishop Ainsworth is, not Bishop Ainsworth. Great a man as, as Bishop uh, Dr. Doug Beecham, who is the general superintendent of our great denomination, is. But we are the temple, and we are the church. No man, no person is the general contractor or builder of the church but God. But God. I want us to examine, and the Lord gave me three major components that the Lord utilizes in building his church. Very simple. And I, you know, I thought, well, if I wanted to be like some of these big time preachers, I could say that I'm here to give my first message on my Back to the Basics series. It's all about series, <laughs> and I have nothing against series. I might would preach series <laughs> if the Lord so led and guided and directed. But this is my first message of my Back to the Basics series. First and foremost, he begins with a solid foundation. Jesus talks about in Matthew 7, 24 through 27, and I'm paraphrasing here, those who hear his words and do them are wise builders. They have built their homes on rock-solid foundations. The winds howl, the rains come, even a flood, but the house stands firm. The materials for the rock-solid foundation are found in 1 Corinthians 13. And God's foundation for his church is summed up in one word. It's already been talked about this morning. Love. Love. See what I'm talking about? Everybody's had a piece of this pie this morning. They've already touched on it. Already talked about love. First of all, God's unfailing love for us and then translating it into our love for each other and I just want you to allow me just real quick and I'll try not to stay parked here very long and you're very familiar no doubt with 1 Corinthians 13 but I just feel like for emphasis sake you need to hear it again I know I need to read it uh, probably Maybe sometimes every other day. Let's see why. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not love, I am becoming as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. Wow. Wow. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, this is really some, some thick and heavy stuff here, <clears throat> and though I give my body to be burned for the gospel and have not love, it profiteth me nothing. Wow. You mean I... I can give my body to be burned for the cause of Christ, and if I don't have love... It's to no avail. It's what the Word says. All right. Now here's where, cover your toes. 
And I'm going to switch over and read from the Amplified Version. <clears throat> Love endures long. In other words, it's long-suffering and is patient and kind. Hallelujah. Come on now, let's get shouting happy. <laughs> it's long suffering, it's patient, it's kind. Love never is envious, nor boils over with jealousy. Oh, glory to God, it's getting good. It's getting good. It's, it is not boastful or vainglorious and does not display itself haughtily, even at Walmart, even driving on the road. Oh, help us, Holy Spirit. Help us, God. Somebody may have beat on the steering wheel coming to work to the church this morning. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm getting off in meddling now, aren't I? It is not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist. And remember I said that, God's love in us does not insist on its own rights. Woo! Husband, wife, did you hear that? Doesn't? Insist on its own rights. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. <laughs> Nor does it demand its own way, for it's not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Ooh, my goodness. This, we're talking about the foundation of the church of God this morning. It's love. It's all about love. If the church doesn't have love, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. And love doesn't just begin in, in this house, it begins at home. If you're having problems loving husband or wife or children or, or mama, daddy, or mama-in-law or daddy-in-law or whomever it might be, it begins at home. Love begins there. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. It bears up under anything, everything that comes and is ever ready to believe the best of every person. God help us. Well, I, I, I want to have discernment. I, want, I don't want somebody to take advantage of me, so I want discernment. Sometime I pray not to have discernment because I might not be able to handle it in a loving manner. Now, sometimes it is right to maybe have to confront and maybe have to deal with wrongdoing, and especially in the day and age and the world we live in, yes, indeed, you may have to do that. But I'd rather be on the side of believing the best in people and wanting to believe the best in, of, of intentions of everybody than one who is always doubtful and trying to second-guess people's motives. Amen? Amen. Love. Love. That's what it's all about. Love never fails. Now, remember, I talked about and just read God's love in us produces these things. So, you may say... I could never love like this agape, unconditional love spoken by Paul here in, in 1 Corinthians 13. I could never love like that. And you would be correct. 
in and of ourselves, we don't have it in ourselves to live out that type of unconditional love on a day-in, day-out basis. But you know who has the power and who is able to give us the power to love like that? He is! Many years ago, and just to give you a little background, my father was a Pentecostal holiness pastor. He uh, eventually became the superintendent of the Florida Conference for ten and a half years. And, and um, so I've been in this thing all my life. I've been around it all my life. And when I say thing, I mean ministry. <laughs> and forgive me if I offended anybody for calling it a thing, but, but it, it's been a part of my in, interwoven fabric. And I shall never forget, as a young person, my dad felt led to leave the church that we were at and go to another church to pastor. The Lord worked it all out, opened the door, and, and we moved. And it was a stark difference from where we lived in Tallahassee, Florida, to Waycross, Georgia. Now, some of you have been wondering where I got my thick southern accent from. It was those five and a half years we lived in Georgia. <laughs> Oh, we just came from New Jersey uh, having our fourth grandson born. And uh, now don't hold that against me. I, I'm, I'm Southern to the bone. But my, my, my son-in-law is from New Jersey. God bless his Yankee heart this morning. <laughs> I better be careful. I'm chasing so many rabbits that I'll never get back to the message. But anyway, I'm going somewhere with this. So we moved to Waycross, and it was much different than Tallahassee. And we had to adjust and make adjustments. And I was a young boy at the time. I was a young, became a young teenager at the time. And I wasn't overly happy, even though the Lord was blessing. He sent revival while we were there, and I was sanctified and filled with the Holy Spirit while we were there, and so many great and wonderful things. In fact, as I look back now, I cut my spiritual teeth, I feel like, there in Waycross, Georgia, and it was all about my father obeying the Spirit of God and, and going in the will of God to that church at that time. But I wasn't happy about it. And when we got there, I didn't necessarily fall in love with the people all at once. They were good people, great people, and I loved them. They're, they seem like family now. But it wasn't until God the Holy Spirit drop that unconditional love and I could take you to the day, the time that he brought it upon my spirit and he wiped away all of that uh, maybe discontent and anger that I had because we had to move from one place to another and I fell in love with those people and it was at that very moment and that very time that the Holy Spirit began to teach me how he could drop that agape, unconditional love in our hearts and cause us to love when we didn't have it within ourselves to love. God can. God will if you'll just ask him to. You may be in some unlovable situations right now, but God will give you the love and love through you if you will allow him to. Be honest with God. God isn't about us just playing along and acting out because he knows our hearts. Don't act. Don't put on an act with God. He knows your heart. If you need love this morning and you want to be a part of that foundation of love that is needed in building the church, tell him he'll give it to you. 
God's foundation for his church is love. And we've spent enough time there. And I, you know, I didn't even, we should have a big clock up there to let me know. Oh my goodness, time's slipping away on us. The second component God utilizes in building his church is he establishes Christ as the chief cornerstone. 1 Peter 2 and 6 says, Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded, never be disappointed or put to shame, ever, because of that chief cornerstone. Historically, the cornerstone was the most important part of any building. The total weight of an edifice would rest upon that particular stone, which if removed, it would collapse the whole structure. Christ, in essence, must be the most important part of the church that the Lord's building and he must be at the center front of that church. The cornerstone was also key to keeping the wall straight. The builders would take sidings along the edges of this part of the building, and if the cornerstone was set properly, the stonemasons could be assured that all other corners of the building would be at the appropriate angles as well. Thus, the cornerstone became a symbol for that which held the structure together. Church, the church that God is building and, and is putting together even as we speak because you see the church is ever growing. It's an ever vibrant, ever living organism as I said at the beginning. It will always have Christ as the very preeminent person and center of that church. As the hymn writer wrote, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, my righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. When the pressures of life bear you down, there's only one cornerstone of handling the weight, and it's Jesus Christ. Christ alone. When you need guidance and your need for guidance is urgent, there is only one cornerstone you can trust to keep you straight, and that is Christ alone. Christ alone is the chief cornerstone. Trust him with every aspect of your lives, and you will find that he never fails. He's not just a rock. He is the cornerstone. When Christ is made the cornerstone of a church, it simply means everything that we do or ever will accomplish totally resolve or revolves around Christ. Will you all just give me a little extra time this morning to finish this message? I know we're coming up on 12 o'clock noon, and, and I believe on, at that magic hour the Lord goes home and he, he, he doesn't have church anymore after 12, but would you all just bear with me? I'm going to try to bring this thing in for a landing as quickly as I can, but I know the Lord has this message for us. And it's about to get real good again. Cover your feet. Cover your feet. <laughs> Christ is the cornerstone of a church when he is not only invited, but required to attend and be the center and the focus of all services, meetings, and events of the church and of our lives. Oh, praise his name. <laughs> Too often today in our modern day churches, and you say, well, 
Yeah, that's the Baptist church down the street. That's the Presbyterian church down the street. That's some other church. No, I am very sorry to have to tell you I've been in too many Pentecostal churches in my short lifetime to tell you I'm, the Pentecostals need this too. <clears throat> we have become so professional. Hear me out this morning. I've got a word. We have become so professional with doing church. Some think they can handle it without having Christ ever attend. They say to the Lord, you may come, Lord, if you want to. But if you don't, if you want to sit out, that's okay, too, because we've got this. We can handle it. We, we can do this. What a tragic, tragic mistake. Instead of saying, we need to pray until the glory and the presence of the Lord has permeated this place, they say, we've got this. We can take care of it. But I'm here to tell you this morning, as Sherry hit on it earlier, one moment in his presence will totally transform us. Now, I'm telling you something. She wasn't just whistling Dixie. She wasn't just coming up with a, a good saying that sounded spiritual or good. <clears throat> as a young Boy, in Waycross, Georgia, how many remember eight-track tapes? All of us do. Most of us do. Now, I see a few young folk in the crowd that don't even know what I'm talking about. As an early teenager, I could take you back to my, that room in the parsonage in Waycross, Georgia, when I would get on my face before the Lord. I would plug in. Uh, Bill Gaither Trio. And that was the days that Gloria would come with all these recitations about the name of Jesus and all of... I used to have camp meeting on that floor. But I tell you what I learned even greater than listening to Bill Gaither or anything else. I learned that there was nothing like the presence of of the living triune God. And once you've ever experienced the real presence, the real presence, I'm not just talking about shouting. I love to shout. I love to run the aisles as good as anybody. But I'm here to tell you there's something about the presence of the living God that will change your life and transform you and why, why the church is trying to cheapen that presence by not having Christ at the center of everything we do, say, and think, I don't know why. Because the church, the Lord's building, has Christ as the center. And we don't have church unless Christ shows up. We don't have church unless Jesus and his presence arrive and comes into place. Glory to God. I, that'll preach. That'll preach. <laughs> I was listening this week and talking about the Asbury Revival, and all of us have been so thrilled to hear about that. But... A minister who had attended the revival came back and he mentioned the praise team preparation involves or involved an hour and a half of time of consecration before they ever got up on stage to sing. They didn't worry so much about practice. Now, don't get me wrong, I believe in practicing and and I believe that practice makes perfect, and I, nothing is better than a, a wonderful, melodious sound that harmonizes and comes together and, and just sounds like a group of angels singing. Nothing better than that. But I tell you something, if the anointing and the presence of God is missing off of that, 
it becomes a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And it's not worth really a dime. I'm, I'm just letting my hair down this morning, what little bit I've got, and I'm just telling you like it is and like I believe it. It's not worth anything if it doesn't have the touch of God on it. And apparently the Asbury praise team realizes that. They spend an hour and a half preparing. The first 30 minutes they have a group of intercessors that's just praying over them. 30 minutes that they're spending just praying over them. Most of us be ready to run out the door after 30 minutes is up, right? Huh? I told you, cover your toes again. And then that praise team gets together, or gets alone, I should say, with themselves and God, and they pray another hour getting themselves. The minister used these words. He said they spend another hour getting themselves right before the Lord. Whew. Oh, well, I'm so holy and I'm so sanctified and I, whew, I don't need to get right with the Lord. I stay right. I'm glad you do. I'm glad of that. And I believe in being saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't leave this place and say, well, he doesn't believe in sanctification. I do believe in sanctification, but I know we're still in our flesh when we walk out these doors. And let me tell you something. Like... I, I used to hear Bishop Underwood preach, and he would say, you know, I don't think about it if I need a shower or not in the morning. I just know that jumping in the shower and taking a shower is what I ought to do to clean my body up every day. I hope all of y'all feel that same way. <laughs> There I go to meddling again. I just take these side roads every now and then. But here comes the real message that he would say. He would say, but my spiritual life is the same way. I go out in the world and I get tainted by the world. And what a evil world we live in today. I mean... I didn't watch the Grammys, don't, couldn't care a, a bit about the Grammys, but did you hear what happened there? Satan actually had an act going on there. So we're, we're, the airwaves are being infiltrated with demonic, satanic forces. And here's the point. Every single day we go out into the world we need to come back and be bathed in the blood of the Lamb. Oh, hallelujah. We need that shower, shower of the blood of the Lamb that will wash us and purify us. And if we've said anything, how many remember the time that you were following the Holy Spirit so closely that if you misspoke a word, you'd be convicted and you would have to get it right? Now, maybe you're still at that point. Or maybe we need revival. <laughs> oh, they spend an hour consecrating themselves before the Lord, getting themselves right before the Lord, getting their thoughts focused on Him. And I thought, Lord, if we could only follow that same recipe, but it all comes back to people Having the mindset, if the Lord doesn't show up, we don't have church. I've, I've said enough there. When the Lord is the builder, Christ will be at the center and will be the chief cornerstone of the church. And the third and last, can everybody say, Amen. <clears throat> I would say in closing, but and anybody ever heard of Jim Rayley? He's a, an evangelist. He's an Assemblies of God evangelist and pastor, but I've often heard him speaking when he says in closing, he says, you know what that means? Not a thing.
Doesn't mean anything. So in closing, <laughs> the third component the Lord utilizes in building the church. Get this. Now, it's about to get good. We're about to be able to shout again. <clears throat> the third component the Lord utilizes in building the church is lively stones. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5. To whom coming as unto a living stone, talking about God, disallowed indeed of men, but <clears throat> chosen of God and precious, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. There it is again. Jesus Christ at the preeminence, the center, the focus. But he is bringing us up as lively stones. The Lord doesn't build his church out of dead, half dead, are barely clinging to life, but lively stones. Glory to God. Lively stones. I told the council, I said, now I'm a fiery preacher. They wanted to know about my preaching. And I said, I'm a bit fiery, but hopefully that's not offensive to you. These lively stones equate to believers that are saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. We here this morning are those lively stones in which the Lord's building His church from. We're making up that spiritual house and community referred to as the church. We are those lively stones. When God <clears throat> builds the church, it will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And they equate to the empowerment given only by the Holy Spirit. The amplified version of John 6 and 63, with Jesus speaking here, says, It is the Spirit who gives life. He is the life giver. Who? Who's the giver of life? <clears throat> Jesus. And through his Holy Spirit, he gives life life. The flesh conveys no benefit whatever. There is no profit in it. Oh my goodness. That means it doesn't matter how good and polished of a speaker you have standing behind this sacred desk or how and and I'm sorry I'm not six feet tall this morning. I'm only five foot four. I'm not tall, dark, and handsome. I'm just five foot four, little Holy Ghost filled fireball of a preacher <laughs> with a thick southern accent. But let me tell you something this morning. That all that doesn't matter. It wouldn't do a hill of beans of good if I were six foot tall and tall, dark, and handsome, because the flesh won't do anything for you. Only the Spirit of God, those lively stones. When God builds, its, builds His church, it will be filled, and it is filled with the Holy Spirit, and it will be Spirit-led, guided, and directed in all things. Paul states in Ephesians 5 and 6, Do not be drunk with wine, and we could park there a little bit too probably. Oh, glory to God, help us. But continually... But continually be filled with the Spirit. That's a good message for another time, too. Sometimes we're leaky. And sometimes because of the fleshliness, the Spirit might leak out a little bit. And that's why it talks, Paul talks about continually being filled and refilled with the Spirit. Oh, we need to be filled and full of the Holy Ghost. As Peter described, and I must hasten, it's 1210, so I know you've already, you're a 
probably five, six steps ahead of me. It's 1210. I'm, I'm in closing, in closing. As Peter described in his day of Pentecost sermon, this is what is spoken through the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. I'm beginning to dream some dreams. How about you? <laughs> I'm part of that old man. Uh, crowd, I guess. <laughs> Since this initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, we have seen a continuation of this same outpouring taking place even today. And look at the revivals. Y'all are already ahead of me. Again, Asbury, the revival taking place there, Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee, uh, Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. And <clears throat> I even read this past week, Texas A&M University. Oh, hallelujah. God, rest upon all of our liberal institutions of this nation and come back, come back to what that president said that said America is no longer a Christian nation. And let's say, I'm sorry, and beg to differ with you, but we're still one nation under God. <laughs> we're still one nation under God, indivisible with justice and liberty for all. Hallelujah. If the church is going to remain relevant and powerful and full of life, it must be full of the Holy Spirit. We need, we need to cultivate an atmosphere and just say, welcome, Holy Spirit. Every time we come into this place, before you get here, just say, welcome, Holy Spirit. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Work and move as only you can, Holy Spirit. Make Jesus Christ the preeminent one of, of me and of my life and of everybody else. Let Jesus be glorified and the sinners be saved. We need to, on a continuous basis, and I've already said this, seek the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our personal lives to ensure we remain lively. I don't, I don't like dead. Do you? I don't like half dead or just clinging to life. I like lively. And that's what the Lord's looking for. He's building his church out of lively stones full of the Holy Ghost. Only by the Spirit of God will we overcome and be joyously successful in the perilous days we're living in. We need more and not less of the Holy Spirit to empower us in the times that we're living. Would you stand to your feet this morning? And in closing, really, truthfully, for the last time, Everyone here today that considers yourself a part of the Stoneville Pentecostal Holiness Church should desire for the Lord to build this house as a strong and mighty lighthouse to reach the lost, care for the needy, and equip the saints with empowerment to live spiritually successful lives. That's what the Lord expects as he builds his church in Stoneville. Reach the lost, care for the needy, and equip the saints for empowerment to live spiritually successful life. You say, what? what's your vision? That's pretty much it. But with all these other components of the Lord building the house. I can't build a house, you can't build a house, but God, but God. If God doesn't build this house, you're coming here for nothing. Now, I hate to be, I hate to be that blunt, but unless God builds a house, the laborers labor in vain. I thank God for the good that's been accomplished over the years through this church. And we talked with Brother Doyle not long ago, and he explained how when he and Cheryl were barely out of the infant box, they were young and energetic and, 
and the Western North Carolina superintendent asked, would they take the Stoneville Church? And back then it wasn't, where was the church located, Brother Dole? Okay, small little church. I think you said it might have been running 40 people when you got there. Look what the Lord has done in building his house from then to now. And he's used and anointed men of God as, as Doyle Marley to help produce that. But it's been God. It's all been God that's brought it all together. It's been him building the house. I am confident that if we will allow the Lord to build this Stoneville house through love, through Christ, and the Holy Spirit's empowerment, the best days are ahead for this house. The best days are ahead. I believe we here this morning desire to be a part of the last day revival, and it was so good. Brother Buddy, I, I commend you on beginning the Sunday night prayer meetings just for revival. And I, I would say don't even just do it for the series of services that's coming, but if we really want the presence of God, let's go after it. Let's go after it with abandonment. Let's go after it with, with a passion and say, God, we've got to have you. If we don't have you, then we're going to fail and come to nothing and come to naught. We've got to have you. And we've got to have revival. As we totally commit ourselves to unless the Lord builds the church, the laborers labor in vain that build it, we will find ourselves in complete surrender and reliance on him to make this church exactly what he wants it to be in these last days we're living in. The Lord's got a plan for you. The Lord's got a plan for this church. He hasn't abandoned ship from this church. God has a plan. Everyone that believes this, I want you to come Join me around this front for a closing prayer of agreement for greater days ahead. Right now, without delay. Everybody that believes and, and is in agreement with what we've spoken, I want you to just join us here around the front. And this is what the Lord gave me. And I forget who said it a while ago. Somebody said about crying out to God. I don't even... It might have been Sherry. I don't even remember who it was. But <clears throat> the Lord gave me this analogy for our altar time of prayer. Life isn't always rosy as a Christian. Everybody with me on that? Everything doesn't go all peaches and cream and isn't always exactly as we want it to be and there are trials, there are tribulations. In fact, Brother Doyle spoke about this the other Sunday, about the valleys. And as sure as living and breathing is happening, you're going to have those valleys as, as a Christian. I was going through a valley one time, and we were working for the state of Florida, and, and I was assigned to, to be a, an office manager in Gainesville, Florida, and we were based out of Jacksonville. Now, they gave me a car to drive, and they, they helped me and blessed me that way. But my wife and I have always worked closely together. In fact, I told the church council, we actually, there have been times during our employment with the state that we actually worked a few doors down from each other. Somebody wanted to know, has your marriage been successful? <laughs> Oh, thank God we like one another. Thank God we can like each other enough to get along, even in close proximity to each other. We rode to work together. We had lunch together. We rode home together. Oh, hallelujah. It was wonderful. And it's still wonderful after these 30, soon to be 33 years that we've been married. I was kind of a late bloomer, and I was late getting married. I, 
but that's why I married a little younger woman than me. <laughs> Keep me young. See, I've gone on so many dirt roads today, but just leave me be. I'm going somewhere with this. Gainesville, Florida, I was so distraught over having to drive there every day, and, and it was a good job. I was head of the little office, and that was nice, you know, but it just wasn't doing anything for me, and I hated the drive. The only good thing about the drive is I was able to pray and, and turn on Christian music and worship the Lord, and sometimes we just had church going and coming from Gainesville. That's the only good thing I can remember about that. But the Lord gave me a scripture because I began to pray and say, Lord, I want deliverance from this place. <laughs> I want you to get me back in Jacksonville where I belong. And <clears throat> the Lord gave me the story of Moses at the burning bush. And the Lord told him, told Moses that day at the burning bush, he said, the cries of the children of Israel have come up before me about their deliverance from Egyptian bondage. And I read that verse of scripture. I'll never forget reading it the day I read it. And I said, all right, Lord, I'm going to be like the children of Israel. And I'm going to begin to cry out to you until you hear me. Until you can say the cries of Russell Simpson has come up before me. And they did. And he did. He delivered me and took me back. But I said that to say this. Here's where I, the point I'm making. I believe the Lord wants us to just cry out to him this morning for him to build this church. For him to build it with his, all of his components and say, Lord, here am I. Use me. Use me as a lively stone. So I will pray. I'll begin the prayer. But I want you all praying, and I want you all crying out to the Lord this morning. And I want the cries of this body of believers to come up before the Lord this morning. Father, we thank you for the word that you have given us this morning. We thank you because it's a sure and a certain word. And Lord, we know that you have revival for this place. We know that you are building this church here in Stoneville to be a part of your glorious church without spot or wrinkle, washed in your precious blood. And Lord, we cry out to you this morning for everything that's not right in us to be reversed and changed. Cleanse our hearts, cleanse our minds, cleanse our spirits, Lord. And may we, Lord, be brought into right where you want us to be, to where you can use us, to where you can build your church. Help us to get out of the way so that you can have full preeminence and prominence in this house. And Lord, we ask, Father, that you work and move as only you can. Do the work that only you can do and bring a mighty move of your Holy Spirit into Stoneville into this community, into this region, Lord. And Lord, raise this body to become a lighthouse for the, for the lost. Let it become a lighthouse for the needy and the down and the out, Lord, the widows, the orphans, Lord, and those that are, are in the prisons and those that are in the hospitals, Lord, the nursing homes. Father, we just pray in Jesus' name that it would be an empowering, equipping station for the saints, that every time they feel like they're getting a little low, they're getting a little low on the spirit of the living God, that they'll come back to be refilled and come back for more and more and more and more to allow you to build your house as you see fit. We need your presence we need not less of it, but more of it, yes. And Father, we pray, God, that we will do what we have to do to make sure that we're right 
that you can work and move in our hearts and lives. We know that every revival that has ever been sent begins with, with a move of God in a, in a revival of holiness. Heart purity and righteousness. And I pray, God, that you would begin to, to send the revival of holiness. That, that doesn't sound cute or popular or, or something that we really would want to seek after. But, Lord, we need a revival of holiness and righteousness to prevail over this place. And start with us, Lord. Start to, from the head down to the toes, Lord. Start with a revival of holiness. And end with a revival of your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody that's standing in agreement, would you please say amen and amen. God bless you for coming this morning. Thank you for enduring me to go a little past. It's almost 1230, 1226 by my phone. And that's pretty accurate, pretty right. But uh, thank you so much for bearing with me and allowing me to speak the word the Lord gave me.